0: So glad you took the time out of your busy day. Maybe you're in the car, maybe you're dropping the kids off at school, or you're taking yourself to or from work, but we appreciate you dropping in. Have a great guest today. I know, I say that every week, but it's true, isn't it? Our guests are amazing. Today with me is Michelle Collins. We're going to talk a little bit about suicide, specifically suicide, the loss of a partner or spouse. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. Before we get started on our topic, which is critical and so important to me for so many reasons, would you just give our listeners a little bit of your background, please?
1: Sure. Yeah, I am a a yoga therapist and a grief and wellness coach. I did a grief education certification. If you can believe, there's a certification in that mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and an author I have some books out, and a new ones coming soon. And I help people by coaching or practicing yoga therapy, teaching mindfulness or meditation to get through difficult things that could be grief, it could be trauma, it could be uh, a disease, new newly diagnosed. Um, Illnesses and accidents, injuries, and I just help people learn how to greet the world with mindfulness practices that lessen suffering, or at least the intent is to lessen suffering.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's we all know that that's so so hard to do. It's so easy to kind of get stuck in your grief. And I I heard something great um, on the Today Show today, actually, Mel Robbins.
1: Oh, I love. It was her. just a little
0: teaser little teaser of a podcast she's doing with Hoya Kapi, and she talked about the word stuck and she said it's not a position it's really just a signal to let you know that you're probably ready for something else that you're not growing where you are and you're ready for something else and I thought that was great perspective.
1: Yeah I like that. 'Cause it kind of means you're not you're not stuck, you're just
0: aware that it's time to move to the next next Exactly. Thing. Yeah. So when you talk about mindfulness and, and we all know I remember myself a point in my grief that I just really said to myself, because there was no one else around except a dog, um, but I said, I I can't go on like this anymore. I don't want to go on like this anymore. This is not how I want to spend the rest of my life. And something clicked in me at that moment. And I knew that if I didn't want to go on that way, I was the one that had to do something about it. Yeah. No one else, nothing else was going to bring it to my door. I had to get up, get moving and do what I needed. Now, today we're going to talk about suicide. I have the utmost respect when someone can bring their personal story and share that. Could you share a little bit of your experience with suicide?
1: Yeah, I can. And it's interesting because when I get asked a question, it's usually much more specific uh, to my personal, I lost my husband to suicide, but I also realized that I have uh, friends that I've known over the years who have died by suicide as well. So it's not just um that one experience although losing a spouse is certainly earth-shattering no matter how you lose them um Glenn was my second husband I I met him a year after I was divorced from my first husband and he and I just felt madly in love like it was one of those it, it seemed like a fairy tale Like, is this real? Mm -hmm. I I had so much trouble believing that it was real because, you know, we were in our late 40s at the time. Mm -hmm. So you don't think of that kind of love happening. You know, think of it as something that happens Mm -hmm. as your teens or your 20s or whatever. But it was just so real and so perfect. And we Mm -hmm. just met at, you know, we'd both been divorced about a year, year and a half. And um, we ended up getting married just 90 days after we met Mm -hmm. because we were so sure that. We were the perfect, the answer to all of our all right. of our missing pieces. And then um, less than two years later, he died by suicide. He had been struggling, obviously, and um, we just could not get him out of the spiral that he right. was in struggling, and he ended up dying.
0: I'm so, so sad to hear that. It's, um, you're absolutely right that losing a spouse, I know uh, I lost my husband to brain cancer. It was a very aggressive form of cancer. Nothing we could do to prevent it, delay it or anything. It's the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But to suffer a loss like that through a traumatic instance, especially suicide, is unimaginable to me. Unimaginable. Now, you have written two books, and they're coming out very, very soon, as I understand mm-hmm. it, uh, near the end of the month. And one is to help people move through the loss of a partner or spouse. The other one, which I was tickled to see, is a book for people who know someone who is going through that loss and how you can support them. Was that? Idea for the second book, part of your experience having others who have committed suicide? How did you get the idea for that accompanying book?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So much happens after a suicide loss that is not supportive of your healing because people around you, and the way I talk about it in the book is as if a tornado came through your neighborhood. And it might have completely wiped out your house, like your house is completely mm-hmm. gone, but your neighbors also had a lot of damage. And those right. are the people that are supposed to be supporting you, right? Your your right. in-law family, your friends, whoever it is, uh, that also knew your, your partner or spouse. And what happens is when people are not, people are not at their best, when they are traumatized by a suicide of someone that they right. loved, or even someone they knew, um, you know, even casually, it it really causes a a ripple effect, more like a tidal wave that makes it hard for anyone to support anyone, and mm-hmm. um, it's easier to blame than take responsibility. It's easier to look outward and try to keep it out, you know, pointed outward than it is to be inward. And so, if you can't feel responsible for your own emotions, I'm not saying you're responsible right. for the. The death but for right. the fact right. that you're just completely upset um then things with a suicide loss that are different than a, a different kind of death you, you know the in-law family can blame the spouse and i've heard this a number of yeah. times in the grief groups that i moderate uh the you know coworkers can have one idea of what happened, and the family can have another idea, and the friends can have another idea whereas if it's you know a car accident, which is also sudden and horrifying mm-hmm. no one's no one's really putting the same kind of blame that comes with suicide i mean you might you might be able to have guilt, oh, I shouldn't have told him to go to the store or something like that, but
0: sure, sure,
1: yeah, so it's uh it's a whole different world. So you, back to your question. Sorry, I got, mm-hmm. I got That's off okay. On um, That's okay. The reason I wrote that book is because so many people don't know what to do to support someone in grief. And mm-hmm. especially with a suicide loss, you say right. the wrong things. And whenever someone says the wrong thing, they're, they're trying to help the, the suicide loss survivor, but what they end up doing is causing more suffering. Sure. and so i wanted to educate the supporters so hopefully someone will pick up that book whose friend lost their spouse to suicide and they'll know Mm -hmm. they'll have a basically a plan of action what to Mm -hmm. do and some pretty good tips what not to do as well yeah
0: (laughs) well i know i'm going to have a copy of that book because i i have a dear friend Uh, who lost her adult son to suicide and I even though I have some experience if you will and have talked to many 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 people about grief and little things you can do here and there to support to help to aid to reduce the pain of, of the symptoms of grief I'm still at a loss because it's so hard to to know what to do so I'm going to be getting a copy of that book as soon as it comes out.
1: Thank you. Thanks for your support and your support of your friend. It's really, really hard. And I say that in my
0: books, suicide
1: loss is a really hard thing to be strong around.
0: It's frightening. It is. is. And and I think it's probably, there's probably a lot of judgment that enters into Mm -hmm. the grief for a lot of people, um, which just isn't fair and all of your comments made me think of the recent death of twitch Mm -hmm. who just had so many people reeling Mm -hmm. over how it just caught everyone off guard and you never would have thought and and everything in the comments that are out there in social media and everything and even though that's somebody that we may not have known personally he brought a lot of joy and a lot of smiles, especially during the pandemic mm-hmm. with his family's dances and everything. So people still feel that. And the fact that it was a death by suicide makes it harder to know, what do we do with this grief now? How do we get through it? Can Can you think of anything based on your experience now that if you were to meet someone or be introduced to someone who recently lost their partner. Death by suicide. What might you say to them? Can you give us an idea of what you might say to comfort sure.
1: them? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And just to commiserate about Twitch, uh, one of the Things that really brought me a lot of joy during i watched started watching them during the pandemic as well he right. and Allison and the kids and um yeah that really that that yeah. i had a i had a couple days of mourning and yeah. this is this is ties into the answer to your question and that is you know allow yourself to grieve, a lot of us mm-hmm. think, oh well you know my physical body is still working, I can go back to work i can keep whatever taking care of the kids whatever it is that that your daily routine requires and um the thing is you you've been injured even if you don't feel physically injured your physical and emotional are not separate in in my belief system and so it will come out at some way at some sometime it might be in weeks or months but you'll find mm-hmm. yourself exhausted or you're fine you know something will be really really difficult that didn't used to be right so my my best advice is just let yourself grieve if you broke mm-hmm. your leg you wouldn't go hiking the next day
0: mm-hmm. you
1: need that time to heal bones take six weeks emotions take you know <laughs> it's undetermined Depend. you know there's so yeah. many other factors but um you know, they just added a new diagnosis, a uh, formal diagnosis that uh, long grief is over 12 months. And um, mm-hmm. grief uh, experts are saying that's just not appropriate. Grief is mess. because sometimes you don't start grieving right away if that's you don't right. allow yourself to, and then you find yourself, you know, years down the road, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to start feeling these feelings, and yeah. then you grieve, and that's okay. There's no wrong way to do it. So I guess that's right. that would be the biggest piece of advice I would give: is there's no wrong way to do it, but but you do need to do it at some point. You need to right. you need to accept that your loved one's gone, mm. and create your new life. Because I think, and you probably experienced this uh, after you know at some point when you decided it was time to have a life, right? You're, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't dishonor the memory of your loved one to no. live a full life. In fact, I think it's an honoring of your loved one's memory uh, right. to grieve, you know, David Kessler always says, in order to live fully, you need to grieve fully.
0: Right, right. And
1: mm-hmm. more practical piece of pieces of advice would be Get a village, you know, all those people in that first week Mm -hmm. that said, what can I do? How can I help? You know, keep a list of them and go back months, a year later, you know, they Mm -hmm. still need to be told what to do. So go, you know, when you need the help, ask for it and let them help
0: you. Yeah, that's really hard for a lot of people to ask for that help. Uh, It's so easy Mm -hmm. to tend to isolate yourself and not ask anybody for anything. And we often say, I just want to be left alone when that's really the last thing that would help us is to be alone.
1: Yeah, our grief needs to be witnessed. That's that's definitely the first thing that needs to happen is you you need to be witnessed. Definitely people need to know definitely. you're grieving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there there's a quote and I you know, I reference it so many times in this podcast, but it was the one that was a revelation for me. And at the end of the quote, it just says that grief is love with no place to go. Aww. And when I heard that, it was a light bulb clicked on. And I said, that's it exactly. I still have love for my husband, but he's not here for me to share it with him. And that was about the same time that I had this other revelation about, I don't want to go on like this anymore. It was mind altering for me to absorb those words and then at the same time know that I'm probably going to grieve my husband for the rest of my life so i agree with you that that definition of 12 months that's ridiculous absolutely mm. ridiculous i am just now really kind of grieving with the loss of my infant son that was Decades ago, Mm -hmm. that because there was no help and nobody knew anything about grief, I was told to pretty much suck it up and move on. And that's what I did. That's what I did. Three days later, I went out, you know, looking for a job to, to move on. And it's been through these podcasts and the discussions that that grief is coming back and it's just like it's brand new. It's Mm -hmm. just like the loss of that infant boy happened months ago.
1: Because you didn't allow yourself to grieve at the time. I didn't.
0: I didn't. uh, Yeah. So I don't like that diagnosis at all. I agree. I'm, (laughs) I'm sure the therapists don't like it either because I'm sure it's, and I would doubt, I would be really surprised if any clinicians actually use it, to tell you the truth, because I wouldn't want my license um, listing that. Uh, at any rate, I digress. So, when we talk about time and length and everything like that, there are things certainly that need to be taken care of immediately. You know, funeral calling hours, memorial service, and then paperwork. And if if listeners have not gone through that overwhelming pile of paperwork, phone calls that need to be made, and everything after you lose your partner, your spouse, then uh, there's no way I can even put that in words. It takes days and days and days. Do you have any tips for people on how to kind of get through that and still take care of yourself in the meantime?
1: I do. I do. There's, there's very few things that need to be done immediately. And that's, you, you kind of feel like, oh, I have to do everything all at once. And so there's all this pressure. And there's a few things that need to be done, you know, right away, like what you just listed, that was a great list. Um, And I actually list this off in my books, Uh, you know, get the death certificates and and, uh, all the things about the accounts that are in both your names, if you were you know, sharing accounts, mm-hmm. married or not, you know, but people who are right. not necessarily legally married may share a home, you know, they both sure. are homeowners or whatever. So or a bank account. Of, a bank account for sure. So all of those things, but but there's no urgency to anything other than the bills. Um and most of the time you can call and they will give you an allowance, you know, to pay a smaller mm-hmm. amount if you have a large payment or even put it off altogether until you get the estate settled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a widow, after any type of a big loss, you you just, it takes so much energy just to do the basic things like make coffee or get mm-hmm. out of bed. So don't expect to be able to do 10 hours of work on this paperwork and run 20 errands. Just do maybe one thing a day and get help. That's the other mm-hmm. thing to get help. People don't mind making phone calls for you because it gives them something to do. And a lot mm-hmm. of these phone calls you have to make yourself, you know, and you have to get the death certificate out. I had a very good friend who I couldn't even look at Glenn's death certificate because mm-hmm. Um, but the law, there's a long form and a short form and the long form sure. death certificate was required by some of the organizations that, uh, uh-huh. were part of the estate and I couldn't even look at it without, just yeah. because it said the cause of death,
0: Absolutely. I didn't want to
1: read it. And so I had a, just an angel of a friend who, and we were faxing things cause these were government agencies. He worked for the government when he died. And. He was retired military, so they were still. There were a lot of faxing things, <laughs> mm-hmm. so right. she actually took the the, cop, the copy of the death certificate to work, and she and I would just send her this is where it needs to be faxed. Here's the cover letter, uh-huh. and that saved me so many hours of just sobbing. Sure, yeah,
0: absolutely. Can you think of anything you can tell someone? How do I want to word it? maybe like a mantra, a phrase, an affirmation, something that that you can have in your head and repeat over and over again to keep yourself going, to keep yourself in that mindfulness state where you need to be to practice self-care. Can you th- yeah, absolutely. I'm struggling to find the words, but no, I think you know what I'm trying to I ask. I do.
1: I totally get your question. And not only that, it's making me laugh because I feel like you've already read my books that are coming out in oh, January because no. it, you're asking the questions like almost by the chapter. It's so funny.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So
1: that, that makes me feel really good because I know that it's, wow. it's, you know, it's what people need, uh, which is why yeah. I wrote them. Yeah. So the, as far as affirmations go and mantras, I think it's, you know, having a, having a few of them on hand, depending on what you Mm -hmm. need. Um, the one I used a lot was you got this. And I'm not saying you got this, like you're going to go back into your life and it's going to be joyful. I mean, okay. You can put on a sock, you know, Mm -hmm. you got this, Right. you can choose pants. You got this. Um, Uh, And then a reassurance that I often uh, use now with clients, I didn't have this back then, but um, you won't always feel the way you do now. Because sometimes when you are deep in the throes of grief, you cannot see any light. You think you will always feel just as horrible as you do today. And it's never going to end and it's never going to change. And that's just not possible. Every tick of the clock, things change. I'm not saying time heals all wounds, like mm-hmm. uh, like you were describing before. You're like, okay, I can't go on like this. I have to make a change. So some mm-hmm. of healing does have to come from internal power, internal motivation. But one thing I can guarantee to anyone out there listening, you will not always feel the way you do right now.
0: I like that. I think I would have to write that and put it on my bathroom mirror or something.
1: That's another thing it's, I say in my book. Are you sure you didn't get the next copy?
0: <laughs> honest, honest. I crazy. would, you know, there will be copies on my, on my bookshelf, but I have not. I have not read it. Um, but those are all things that I think I eventually looked for, or if I didn't have them to help me through discussion with other guests and everything for the podcast, all things that I've realized can be of aid because again, it's so easy to do nothing. And I don't say that in a trifling manner. It's easy to just sit and not move. It takes courage. It takes strength. It takes an incredible amount of motivation to get yourself moving after suffering a loss. And loss by suicide is one of those that just magnifies the complexities of it, just magnify the intensity of that grief. You're, you're filled with guilt, you may feel what others are saying to you is in the form of judgment. Some may be outright judgmental. I mean, some may not be so kind that it just, the devastation is incredible. So it's easy to sit and do nothing. Don't take the easy route. And I I can't emphasize that enough. Um, yeah. But, if you don't have somebody trying to help you with that, it's even more difficult
1: it is and when when helpers don't know what to do right uh, which is why I wrote the book for helpers, yeah, right, to try to help uh help people just just to educate people this is a good yeah. thing to say to someone who lost their spouse or yeah. partner to suicide, and this is a right. not good thing yeah you know don't don't say that, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And I and I think in our desperation sometimes to say something, because mm-hmm. we're so uncomfortable with silence, aren't we? So mm-hmm. uncomfortable with it, that yep. what works for me many times when I have to go to calling hours or a funeral, and, you know, you, you give that hug and everything. The only thing I can think to say is, I have no words.
1: Right. And that's okay because, because you leave that, space it lets them in that know that you
0: are the grief. Exactly. You are also incredibly upset and saddened by what has happened mm-hmm. that you might like to offer them something, but you have no words. Just take that, even if it sounds like a cop out, it's really not. Mm-mm. Because you're still conveying to them that you're there for them.
1: Yeah, or you can say, I'm here. Just, I'm here. Right. I'm here. I'm here.
0: Exactly. Yeah. and But please don't say to them, let me know if you need anything. For one thing, at that moment, they have no idea what they might need. <laughs> and, so true. And the second thing is, it may not be quite sincere. That is offered so many times as an empty gesture that sometimes when you're really, really, really hurting, it sounds like such a trivial thing to say and it isn't taken with that gratitude. That is really what we want to convey. Sometimes don't say anything, just give mm-hmm. them that hug yeah. and move on. Yeah. Something like that. Um, one, this is an opinion question. This is not a, a critical question, but in mentioning, for example, that long grief is 12 months. Do you feel that grief is a mental health diagnosis or a mental health condition?
1: I do not. I do not. I feel like grief is a normal human process that we go through when we lose something, just like healing a broken bone. It, it's mm-hmm. it's just our society, our culture isn't educated in grief, which is part of the reason I took that grief educator Course uh, certification course, we we don't know what to do, and we expect people Mm -hmm. to go back to their old lives in a relatively Mm -hmm. short time. So no, I think it's like it would be like saying sadness is a mental illness. You know, it's not grieving is a process we need to go through when we suffer a Mm -hmm. loss in order to heal and live fully again, and whether that takes. You know a month i mean i like i said about twitch last week you know i mm-hmm. i wrote a blog about that i did some social media posts and i spent a couple days actually grieving and i've never know i never knew twitch in person but his right. existence brought me so much joy uh mm-hmm. and and i grieved but i recognized it as grief i knew i was grieving mm-hmm. i knew i had to to you know, take a couple days and do extra self care, extra rest, because I was sad. And I needed to let that sadness go through me and process it and allow it. And, and it's the same with grief. I think that when it becomes an illness is when you get to the point where your loss ends your life too if mm-hmm. if you cannot function at a basic level, you know, getting out of bed, eating, taking a shower once in a while, maybe uh, a year or two later, then it's time mm-hmm. to look into, you know, is this depression? Is this is right. this something else? And I say a year or two because I'm not going to start stepping into the when is when is it okay? No. Uh, it could be months, it could be years, but, and, and it can also be a sneaky thing like what you were saying about your son. Yeah. So sorry for your loss, by the way, you might get up and run and be in your life. And then 10 years Mm -hmm. later, finally be to a point where you can start touching in with uh, touching into those feelings and then start grieving. So, you know, that's not mental illness, not at all. No,
0: no. No, I li- I like the way you phrased it. I like the things you said about it. I agree with that. That's my opinion also. I do feel that some of the symptoms of grief, if not managed, or if you don't allow yourself that time to heal and move toward healing, that some of those symptoms can definitely be some mental health issues. But mm-hmm.
1: yeah, our brains brains can rewire to focus on, um, you know, the, the negative, the sad,
0: right. And it it
1: can become a much, much bigger part of your life. Uh, and, and that can be hard to, um, you know, change the direction of that, but you can, Mm -hmm. you can. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, sadly our time is winding down. So this is the part in the podcast where I turn the microphone over to you and let you speak directly to our listeners. And I will not interrupt with any questions. So this is your time solely to speak directly to them. Go oh, ahead. Okay.
1: Well, thank you. And you're welcome to interrupt. Um, so I have two books that will be launching, uh, re- released by Saved by Story Publishing House, uh, Surviving Spouse or Partner Suicide Loss, A Mindful Guide for Your Journey Through Grief, and Supporting a Survivor of Spouse or Partner Suicide Loss, A Mindful Guide for Co-Journeying Through Grief. And those two books came from my experiences and my education after losing my husband, Glenn, to suicide in 2016. They're coming out January 26th of 2023. And I would love you to read them, share them, uh, if there's anyone you know that needs that type of support. I am also a grief and wellness coach, and if you ever need to uh, investigate my services, I have uh, I give um, free consultations, and also there's a free transition anxiety awareness kit or toolkit on my website, which is inhabitjoy.com. So if you want to find me anywhere, um, inhabitjoy.com has all my socials and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. And yeah, and I teach yoga classes. I do private yoga therapy, uh, all in service of helping people build resilience because I do not believe life is easy. I believe that even if we aren't in grief or having a difficult physical challenge right now, we should be in shape for when it comes because life, because life throws us curveballs. And that's what it's just I, the way life is. Exactly. Yeah. And so I try yeah. to teach habits and um, practices that help us improve our ability to navigate
0: difficult times. That's great. Are your books available for pre-order?
1: They are not, but you can sign up. There's on my publisher's website, Saved by Story, uh, there is a place to sign up for pre-order. Okay. You you can't actually pay for it ahead of time, but...
0: But they'll remind you when it's ready and released.
1: Yes. Super.
0: Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. I will be heading there shortly to get a copy of both of them. Well... Thank you so much, again, for taking the time out of your day, for speaking so candidly and sincerely about this, which I can only describe as a very intimate detail of your life. It's not easy, I'm sure, to talk about it, but your motivation for doing so is genuine and sincere. And I'm sure that there are listeners out there that have also been touched by it today. And whether it's an experience that they themselves have gone through, are going through, or whether they know someone, there are little tidbits in this entire podcast, Michelle, that are so excellent that will help people. And I know they'll take it to heart. For our listeners, I want to remind you all about self-care. We do this every time, every episode. Self-care is critical when you're grieving. Even the tiniest thing, whether it might be get a pedicure for yourself or get up and take that shower. It doesn't matter what it is, but do something special for yourself today. You're certainly worthy of it and you deserve it. Michelle's information as far as her contact info will be on our episode notes. They'll be on our website as well. And we hope you join us again next week. Again, take care as we all continue to live in grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at as I live and and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.